4: Into the nuts, I'm your host, Amal Shaw. Mike Palm will be along shortly. I think he's still upset about that Pittsburgh Penguins New York Islanders game, which stayed under five and a half, but unfortunately the first period did not, as it was a 1 1 final. We'll get into some hockey a little bit later on. ESPN's Frank Ayasola will join us in about 40 minutes. We'll break down the NBA, get his perspective on the postseason, including the Lakers and LeBron James with a critical game two tonight. In Phoenix, we'll find out his thoughts on that one. Coming up in just a few minutes, Since Tim Murray will join me. We'll also talk NBA, and we may get into a little bit of college football. He's a big Notre Dame guy, also a big fan of the sport in general. But first, I want to start with last night. What a performance by the Milwaukee Bucks. They could not miss from the three-point arc as they were dominant against Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. This is a Miami team that gets blown out in this matchup yesterday by a score of 132-98, to At one stretch during the second quarter, if you didn't see this game, Milwaukee was shooting better than 60% from beyond the arc. Just a prolific performance from beyond the three-point line as they go 22 for 53 for the game. They were a five-point favorite in this one, and they win this one comfortably. This one was over from the jump. If you had Milwaukee, you were finding something else to do by the second quarter. It was 46-20 to 20 after the first quarter. At the break, they only extended that by one point to 27 points, but you were comfortably in the clubhouse with a W there. So give the Bucks a lot of credit. They now go down to South Florida with a 2-0 lead. Let's see if they can extend this series to three, or if Miami's got some fight in them as they've struggled a lot. I want to go to the most important thing that happened last night in the NBA. And I'm really mad at myself for not taking advantage of this. Denver was at home facing an 0-1 deficit, taking on the Portland Trailblazers. They were minus two. And, folks, let me tell you something. I don't know if you're new to betting, your experience, what have you. There are certain bets, and I, I don't understand why I didn't do this. You make 100 times out of 100. Win, lose, or draw, you live with the result. And this Denver game was a perfect example of it. If they lose the game yesterday at home at the Pepsi Center against Portland, down 0-2, going back to Portland, it's pretty much curtains. having to win four out of five against that team, including three up there. They would have had to find a way to win two games on the road. I don't think it would have happened. Denver comes out and plays well last night. Despite Lillard having 42, Nikolai Jokic going for 38-8-5. They win this game comfortably, 128-109. And the best part about this from a Nuggets perspective was they were up by 6 at the end of 1. At the end of 2, they were up by 13, or excuse me, by 12. They kept on extending the lead. You never really felt like it was in doubt from a Denver perspective. But the bigger picture is, from a betting point of view, to me there are certain bets you have to make. We have one coming up tonight in the NBA. That's a little bit different scenario with the Clippers at home hosting the Dallas Mavericks. But it's similar in the sense that I don't see the Clippers going down 0-2. Now, they're a big favorite on the money line at $3. And I get an argument people would make, oh, I don't want to lay $3. But to me, there are certain spots where the money line is a play you make. There are different money lines in the NFL. I'll give you a quick example. People use the analogy between the Seahawks and the Jets, and the Jets and the Rams as being the same. No, they were not the same. Remember, the Seahawks were coming off of a loss. The Jets got embarrassed up in Seattle. That's why they went into SoFi, and they found a way to knock off the Rams. To me, this is a situation where... This is a team like the Seahawks in the L.A. Clippers who've got a great opportunity to bounce back. They need to. You can't go down 0-2 and then have to go to Dallas to win two out of three and then win the two at your home arena and having to win four out of five. This is still the favorite or one of the favorites to come out of the Western Conference. They're a seven-point favorite right now at DraftKings. They're minus 295. I'm telling you this. If you're a parlay, better throw them in there. Look, if they lose, they lose. Just Sometimes things happen in sports, and we understand that, and that's – part of the risk of betting. But there's just certain plays you have to make. And last night, I'm still mad at myself, and I'll probably be for the rest of the week, if not the rest of the month, for not taking advantage of that opportunity. And it's the same thing here tonight with this Clippers team. You're minus $3, but you've got to win this game. I expect them to cover the seven. I'll lay the seven in certain spots up to a certain amount of money. But to me, in terms of winning this game, you're going to see a defensive effort, in my opinion, out of this team that is on par with, remember when they got embarrassed by the Mavericks by 50-plus at home? And then they went to Dallas and they beat the Mavericks in that game. They were dominant defensively in that one. I think we'll see a similar performance out of the Clippers in this game. We'll get into this with Frank Iasolo. We'll also get into it with VEASAN's Tim Murray, who's going to join us in about just a minute here. To me, the one thing that I would say is though, look for certain spots like that. Teams coming off of difficult losses. We saw it in the National Hockey League last night. Edmonton losing game three, blowing a 4-1 lead against Winnipeg with nine minutes to go. Last night, Winnipeg wins the game. And overtime seals up that series four games to none. So you want to look for certain spots where you believe a team either needs to win or there's an emotional spot that's going to be difficult to overcome. We saw with the Oilers. Pay attention to that. Those are great money-making opportunities. That's really where you're going to find some of your easiest bets. This is the Nuts. I'm Amal Shah. And joining me right now is VEASAN's Tim Murray. Tim, thanks so much for making the time.
5: Of course, Amal. Appreciate you guys having me on.
4: Hey, Listen, it's always great to have anyone who's always willing to talk college football in the middle of May. I know we may get into that in a little bit, but I want to start with the NBA right now. Tim, so far from your perspective, let's start with last night. Milwaukee was just dominant. Based on the performance you saw out of them in Game 1, a little bit of a struggle. Miami played well. Game 2, they really thoroughly dominated that game. Is this Milwaukee team more of what we saw in Game 2, or do you believe closer to what we saw in Game 1 or probably somewhere in between?
5: Yeah, I I don't want to cop out and say it's somewhere in between, but I do think it's a little bit of that. I mean, the the takeaway for me was in game one, Amal, is that they found a way to win despite hitting just five three-pointers. Now, last night they hit 22. Uh, That's not sustainable. But I think you're going to see more of that uh, than what we saw in game one. And, um, yeah, I heard you talk about the Clippers in the spot tonight, and I I agree. And uh, I I was on the Nuggets last night not to – Pick at your scab there, but I, I, I agree. I mean that you look at spots in the NBA playoffs, and it, it is it's such a it's such a uh, you know kind of a juicy market. But you know what I liked about Milwaukee, Amal, and I know this has been a discussion on our network by a number of hosts. Um, to me, them showing up in Game 71 and saying, you know what, we're going to lace them up and we're going to beat you, and then we'll play you again. We're not afraid of the Miami Heat. Uh, I, I like that it, to me it showed that this team you know means business and is ready to roll and they they're not scared and they want to kind of exercise those demons of the Miami heat now the Heat will probably game get a game or two down in Miami uh, but I was really impressed and you know I, I think the Brooklyn Milwaukee series is going to be fascinating because if you look at back Amal at the two games they played in May Giannis was unstoppable in those games there was no James Harden But I think it's going to be a war in the second round between Milwaukee and Brooklyn.
4: I want to go to the point you just made a second ago about taking Denver last night. First of all, take me through why you chose to take Denver, and thanks for the reminder. I'll tell you, Tim, (laughs) I'm a big advocate of certain bets you must make. Look, I I don't want to bring up a negative point in sports, but when Jose Fernandez passed away against, uh, you know, for the Miami Marlins, they were playing the Mets that day. That was the biggest bet of the baseball season I made. I I thought they were just going to win the game. We saw, I think it was Juan Pierre leads off the game with a homer. I'm not trying to compare this to that, but there are just certain spots in playoff uh, betting, whether it's National Hockey League, NBA, what have you. There are some great opportunities, and I thought last night. I remember looking up, going, I got a little bit sidetracked. Why the hell didn't I take this game? This was the bet, it, even if it lost. But this was a comfortable one. Take me through what you thought about and why you chose Denver last night.
5: Yeah, I'll go back to Sunday. I was uh, I was sitting at a sports book on Sunday afternoon. I looked up at the series price and all, and it was Denver plus 290. Wow. Down 1-0 to Portland. And I'm saying that's an auto bet. If it doesn't come home, fine. But I'm getting the Denver Nuggets almost 3-1 to to win this series when they're down 1-0 against a team that's allergic to playing defense. And I, I know that Denver doesn't have Jamal Murray. And that's a massive loss. Uh, for for them moving forward uh, if they want to go deep into this postseason. But Michael Porter shot one for ten from three in game one, and and I just knew that wasn't going to be replicated. He didn't even go off last night. But, yeah, I I thought this was a a must-win spot for Denver as you laid out to start the show because they know they can't be down 0-2 going into Portland with them looking to end this series. So uh, I didn't mess around with the spread for the game. I went money line and and shoot, I should have went uh, for the spread. And another play I made, too, and you know, going back to Sunday, which I thought was a, a must play, was the first half on the Suns against the Lakers, and it was the first half for the Nuggets against the Blazers. Now, Dame tried to throw a wrench in that by dropping 32 in the first half, and going unconscious but still even though Dame Lillard scored 32 points and hit eight threes them all in the first half the Blazers were down 12 at halftime. This was just a different mindset for the Denver Nuggets last night and they were able to take control of things so yeah that was just uh, you know my thought going into it you know remember this was a Pick'em series uh before it started I stayed away I know JVT like Denver at a little bit of a plus price but down 0-1, still with you know three home games to go uh, I, I thought plus 290 was, was too good to pass up on the series price.
4: I want to go to a game tonight between the Clippers and the Mavericks. We'll obviously get into that marquee game between the Lakers and Suns in just a minute. But I thought this is another spot similar to Denver last mm-hmm. night. A little bit different scenario in terms of the line. Clippers laying seven here against the Mavericks. Total in this one looking at uh, 215.5. I love the Clippers on the money line here tonight. To me, this is a play where they're minus $3. And you, people make the argument, well, it's a high price to pay. Look. At the end of the day, if I told you you had to put up x amount of dollars to get a 33% return on your money in two hours and 40 minutes, would you do it? And that's how I feel about this Clippers game. Tell me what your thoughts are in this matchup, and would you be a person to bet heavily on the money line, or would you lay seven, or just to stay away?
5: I'm I'm with you. I'm all. I have uh, I have a I'm not a big parlay guy, but sure. it, I do see money line parlays as as something that's appealing. And last night before the show, I parlayed. Three teams that lost game one uh, in bounce-back spots. Now, I know there's a lot of questions about the Lakers and can they bounce back, and that was uh, the shortest price. But I parlayed the Nuggets, the Lakers, and the Clippers. You know, two of those teams being at home, the Lakers, the only one on the road, which makes you have a little hesitation. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you on the Clippers here. You know, the seven, I guess, does make me a little nervous. But if you made me play it, I would lay the seven. I wouldn't take the seven with Dallas. Uh, I have a lot of questions about the Clippers moving forward, and. Whether or not they can come out of the Western Conference, I don't trust Paul George whatsoever in the postseason. Nobody should, at least at this point. Um, but in this game, uh, yeah, it, it is a it is a huge spot for the Clippers. Uh, Kind of embarrassed in game one to lose by double digits, uh, really bullied. Uh, Luka Doncic was able to do whatever he wanted. So I, I do like the Clippers to bounce back here tonight. Uh, I'm with you on the money line. And, you know, if you want to money line it with, you know, Brooklyn to get a little bit of a return, or if you believe that the Lakers are going to bounce back, I do. I, I think the Lakers will bounce back tonight. You know, remember, they opened as a one and a half point underdog in game one. Now they're laying two in Phoenix tonight. So I do. do think the Lakers bounce back, but I I think more so as we'll get into that Lakers game, you, you have more questions about the Lakers than you do the Clippers right now, just with health and and continuity. But I, the Clippers are going to win tonight. And uh, if you made me play it, I would look at the the spread. But I'm with you, money line. Uh, and if you want to, you know, ha- find a dance partner, money line parlay would be a way I would go.
4: Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that. My thing is though, I don't want to sit there and ruin a bet that I love. I don't want to put them with anything else. For me, this is yeah. an isolated spot, and just take the Clippers money line. And I can appreciate the arguments coming counter to that, but. Still, there's just certain situations like Denver last night. Now, the Lakers, you mentioned them. They're on the road. They take on the Phoenix Suns here. This is a situation in which they need to win this game. They don't want to go down 0-2. But remember, they have not played at home yet, so a different scenario. Mm -hmm. They are laying two in this spot against the Suns. Total of 210 in this matchup. How do you see this one for L.A.? Also, quick update, LeBron ankle injury listed as game-time decision and Anthony Davis' shoulder situation. Now, we know both of them are going to play, but it's just still something you have to be aware of.
5: Yeah, and I think, you know, LeBron, there's there's a lot of questions. Um, you know, there, there's been a couple moments in the Warriors game and then in game one against the Suns where he just didn't look himself the same power to back down players. But, you know, my, my biggest uh, reasoning for the Lakers to win this game is, is Anthony Davis. And he owned it after game one. He was awful. Uh, he was a no-show. And DeAndre Ayton had more offensive rebounds then Anthony Davis had total rebounds. I was I was really impressed to give Phoenix a lot of credit. I was very impressed by Deandre Ayton in game 1 and all. I I you know the reason I have a series play on the Lakers is I do believe that the Lakers ultimately will dominate down low, but it wasn't the case in game 1. I thought Deandre Ayton was ready to go, had a lot of energy, uh was was bullying them a bit, and that's what we saw all during the bubble was the Lakers using their bigs and bullying uh, opposing teams down low. And that's why I thought this was such a great matchup for the Lakers. Now, we look back to last year. Game one against Portland, they lose, rattle off four straight. Game one against Houston, they lose, rattle off four straight. Lakers aren't the same as they were last year. Um, it's going to still take them some time. They're still figuring things out. Um, you know, I think Frank Vogel is having uh, trouble figuring out the rotations with Andre Drummond, with with Montrez Harrell, what to do. It took them a while. It took them too long, in my opinion, to go to the small lineup against the Warriors, where they ultimately dominated down the stretch and overcame that double-digit deficit in the third quarter. Uh, but I do think the Lakers bounce back here. I think we'll see more from LeBron, a little bit more urgency like we saw. In the play in game against the Warriors. And I think Anthony Davis goes off tonight. And we saw it a couple times where he was a no show, Amal, in the playoffs last year in the bubble. And the next game, he drops 30 plus. So, you know, I would look at some player props if if you have those in your jurisdiction. 25 and a half, I think, is where Anthony Davis is at. Uh, I think this is going to be a game where they look to get him involved very early. And then lastly, Amal, you know, going back to the end of that game. Chris Paul was was hampered, and if that shoulder is an issue moving forward, they're in a lot of trouble. I mean, he was tremendous this year. Devin Booker was unstoppable on Sunday, but if that shoulder continues to bug them all uh, for Chris Paul, that's going to be a massive issue because he was really unplayable offensively down the stretch on Sunday afternoon.
4: Yeah, absolutely right. Uh, Lakers currently still minus 117 to win the series. Suns minus 106 if you like the series price. VEASAN's Tim Murray joining me right now. You can follow him on Twitter at one Murray. Tim, I know the Brooklyn-Boston series obviously is still going. Uh, Brooklyn hosts tonight mm-hmm. against the Seas. They're a nine-point favorite in this one. Without Jalen Brown for this team, I don't see much of a fight. Maybe, in my opinion, Boston gets one game. How do you see this series?
5: Yeah, we talked about this on uh, on Friday night show, and I'm kicking myself. I didn't play... I thought about playing Brooklyn in a sweep at plus two fifty. I ultimately didn't pull the trigger, but um, I'm all. I know a lot of uh, a lot of people come on uh, shows and and when they don't have an opinion on on a side or a total, they say, "Oh, I'm just going to wait for the in game." Well, I think this is a perfect in game play type of series. I did it on Saturday when these two teams met up. Boston had a lead at the half, and you were able to get Brooklyn on sale. I was able to get them full game at halftime at minus one and a half. And they ended up covering every number. It just feels like that type of series. I don't know how you feel Amal. all. I mean, Brooklyn almost feels like they're toying with Boston a little bit. They play down to their competition. Uh, you know, maybe they let them hang around Kemba and, Jay- and Jason Tatum. hits a couple big shots. They feel good about themselves. And then Durant, Harden and Irving are just going to squash them because they're so talented offensively. So I, I, my only play on this would be, let's see how this game starts. Boston's going to have a little bit of desperation in them. Do they get out to an early lead? And then we'll see if if you can get the Brooklyn Nets on sale, like we were able to do on uh, on Saturday afternoon. So that would be my way of looking at this. I mean, Brooklyn is just so superior to Boston. It almost feels like Boston. Uh, I- I'm surprised at the performance that we saw from them in the play in game against Washington, to be honest. I thought there was a chance that they might just pack up shop. So I give them credit for, for winning that game and doing it in that fashion with Jason Tatum dropping 50. But this feels like a sweep, maybe a gentleman sweep. 4-1, uh, but it's just a matter of time before Brooklyn takes care of business here, but uh, I would look and see how Boston starts this game. I think Brooklyn Mall is one of the worst teams covering the first half number in the league. Always get off to slow starts, so we'll see. Let's see if Boston jumps out to a lead and we can get uh, Brooklyn on a cheap price.
4: Yeah, I think that's a smart move in this one. I really don't have an overwhelming opinion in this match, but I do like the Nets to possibly cover, I'm not going to lay the nine here in this spot. Let's go to a couple of games tomorrow. And the reason why I bring these two up, Atlanta and the Knicks. Now, for me, the Knicks are not in the same situation as Denver and Portland. They're not as good as that Denver team. It's not as much of a slam dunk scenario. It's, they're not as good as the Clippers are. This is still a great opportunity for the Knicks to be able to win. I like them to win this series. Uh, Trey Young with the floater late in that game with less than a second remaining. Wins it for the Hawks. Now the Knicks are a two-point favorite at MSG. Total of two twelve and a half tomorrow night, 7-30 Eastern. Do you like one side over the other? Did you have a preference coming into this series?
5: I did. I took a little bit on the Hawks. Uh, I thought it was kind of, uh, I know a lot of people were backing the Knicks. I understood why, right? This is about a pick 'em series. It pretty much was, and they have home court, the Knicks do. But, um, I, you know, and they were the one of the best, they were the best covering team this year, the Knicks were. But I liked the way the offense was coming into shape here for the Atlanta Hawks. And I certainly still have my questions about the New York Knicks. Um, and, you know, to your point, and why if I played this game, I would look at New York on the money line. And I just don't think Julius Randle is going to play as poorly as he did in game one. He was awful. He was really a liability. I mean, that's a second team all NBA guy he's a guy that's going to get MVP votes. He'll probably finish fifth or sixth in the MVP, and he was absolutely dreadful, Amal. So I don't know if the nerves got to him or what it was there at MSG. Uh, I was impressed by Trey Young and the performance that he had, but you know Tibbs is going to throw everything at him to to try to bottle him up, try to frustrate him in game two. Uh, I do like the Hawks in a long series. It wasn't a, you know, a hammer type of Monster play, but I I leaned towards the Hawks and played them at minus 120 uh, earlier. You know, before the series got going. So it's, but I was happy with the result of Game One. Uh, But I would look, you know, these teams pretty evenly matched them all, and kind of the way we've talked about Denver last night, the Clippers tonight, even the Lakers. I think New York probably bounces back, um, and I am mainly on the thought that Julius Randle just can't play as poorly as he did in game one
4: yeah Tim we have about a minute remaining tomorrow night Utah hosting the Memphis Grizzlies they fall in game one Donovan Mitchell did not play that was a, a little bit of an issue between him and the Utah yeah. Jazz medical staff he is going to play in game number two I believe this is a similar situation where the jazz are going to win this one minus three385 on the money line if you like the Grizzlies they're plus three dollars but Utah minus eight and a half and 218.
5: yeah I could see them all this being a situation where they come out and just want to throw a haymaker early. So I would look first half, five and a half. It's a big number for a first half and especially in a playoff game in a series in a game they just lost and really were embarrassed at home. But I think Utah comes out and is very motivated. I would look lay in the five and a half in the first half. Odd situation with Donovan Mitchell saying he was going to play and then ruled out. Uh, so it seems to be some, some uh, unrest there. But ultimately, I think Donovan Mitchell has a big first half. I would look first half here for Utah against Memphis.
4: Tim Murray always does a terrific job. You can catch him on Nightcap between 10 a.m. Or 10 a.m. 10 p.m. And 1 a.m. Eastern time, 7 o'clock out here on the West Coast. You can follow him on Twitter at 1TimMurray. Tim, really appreciate the time. I know it was a last-minute call-in. I appreciate the fact that you were just awake to be able to make the, to join us.
5: <laughs> Anytime, Amal, you guys give me a ring, I'll be on. And by the way, next
4: time I promise you we'll get into
5: college football. I know
4: I said we would touch upon it, but didn't realize you were such a big NBA guy, would get in-depth into it. So I appreciate that, Tim. We'll talk very shortly. When we come back, my man Mike Palm will be back in studio. That's why I've been saying we, he would join me in just a minute. That's next as we get into the plays. Welcome back into the nuts. I'm Amal Shaw, and joining me now is Mike Palm, co-host of the nuts. I know you just came from your son's graduation, yeah, preschool graduation, the first, um, the first of many, I hope. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Everybody, we are having ceremonies for graduating from like elementary, first grade, second grade nowadays.
6: Participation ribbons, absolutely. Yeah, no, it right. was nice. I mean, nine little kids that it, it, it didn't get started on time, and then it ran a little long. So I appreciate Tim Murray jumping on yeah. to talk a little NBA. Great first segment. Um, I was,
4: I was told you have in your contract only Notre Dame people are allowed to replace you. Uh, Notre Dame fans or supporters. People
6: who are Notre Dame fans. Dame says, so, yeah. well, it's, I mean,
4: <laughs> that's
6: the outer ring, I guess, of who can support. I, I have in my contract that I, I get to skip X number of NBA segments, segments <laughs> a year. Uh, D Gordon hit the home run, right, the first, to lead off the game. Uh, oh, D Gordon, yeah, I said right? Juan Pierre, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm Dee going go-
4: back. I, yeah, thank you. Not,
6: yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, interesting Major League Baseball schedule a night. Tomorrow, we have a, uh, uh, it was a great game last night. We talked about Snell. You said he's going to go four and a third. What did he go, three and a third, three and two, <laughs> yeah, exactly. three
4: and two thirds? Brewers run line, cover.
6: Yeah, cover. Almost blew it in the night. Yeah, well,
4: that's, they, that's par for the course in Major League Baseball. They had to bring Hader in. They
6: wouldn't bring Hader in because he can't get a save. But then when they got in trouble, they brought Hader in. Oh,
4: hold on, quick point I want to make about the game. You and I were talking about this before we left yesterday. Blue Jays and Rays go to the uh, extra innings at 5-5. <laughs> They're about 2 million runs scored in extra innings. Finished with 22. This nonsense with the runner on second base is just killing totals, betting perspectives. You've got run lines. Now, you can cover those a lot easier. But the teams play to make sure that guy from second can't score, and then you wind up with big innings.
6: It's hard to end game bet it because the, the the road team scores two in the top of the inning, and I almost think it's like a pick at that point. It is. Right? If, it, if you only score one, I think you're the dog when the home team comes to bet. There's no question about it. All right, Padres Brewers again tonight. Woodruff got the better of Snell last night, uh, and another good pitching matchup tonight. Musgrove goes to the bump for the Friars. Burns, 67 strikeouts against two walks Unbelievable. for Milwaukee. But listen, it's impressive if these guys have been a whip of .86 for Musgrove, a whip of .62 for Burns. Collectively, they're below 500. Musgrove 4 and 4, Burns 2 and 3. Not a lot of run support from the Brewers. We see the home team installed again as a favorite tonight. About $1.20, $1.25 on the Brewers. Low total here. Seven, you got to lay juice. 120, some places 6.5 with the juice to the over.
4: Yeah, no interest in this total here. I'm going to lean towards Milwaukee in this game. I know the Padres have been playing out of their mind for the last couple of weeks, but I still think the way Burns is pitched, you have to lean towards him. To me, Musgrove has gotten off to a fast start. You mentioned the record. I don't even know what any pitcher's record is in baseball. I don't pay attention to it. It's completely irrelevant because, you know, the Dodgers, after the guy's thrown 15 pitches, they start warming somebody up, and that guy starting, his name is Clayton Kershaw. And the point is, I'm just not a believer right now in Musgrove is he able to do this long-term? Remember, this is a guy that was an average pitcher when he was in Houston and Pittsburgh. Can he sustain it? The way Burns is pitched right now, you have to have more confidence in him.
6: I like Burns tonight. Yeah. I, I do. I think this is a cheap price on Burns at home. Um, I- I'm mad I didn't play
4: him last night. Snell just has not been the same pitcher since coming coming yeah, to the West but, Coast. But you know what the problem is, Mike? They're not letting these guys go out there and pitch. You know, when you sit there and you feel the pressure of we get to the third or the fourth inning, you might be getting the hook. Everybody wants to go out and compete. I don't care who you are as an athlete. Now sometimes you may pull yourself out of a game because it could be the detriment of your team other than that you want to go out there and you want to play as long as you can And these guys to me when you're under the onus of hey we're, you're going to get yanked if you walk a guy in the fourth inning or the fifth inning, it's just not a way to pitch
6: Carson McCullough threw 40 pitches in the first inning, the Saturday's game Astros at Texas. Mm-hmm. Dusty let him go 114 to get to five because they were ahead in the game. Yeah. They end up blowing it. But I I like that Dusty let him get through the fifth to get the win and let him go above 100 pitches.
4: Well, because he doesn't want anyone bringing up Russ Ortiz again.
6: Okay, (laughs) that's the bottom line. A rematch of a World Series from a couple years ago and a pitching matchup of former teammates as the Dodgers traveled a minute made to play the Astros. Clayton Kershaw takes on Zach Granke, a couple former Cy Young winners. This game's a dead pick'em in most spots. A dollar ten where you lay where there's a twenty cent line. A dollar five where there's a ten cent line, and a total of eight and a half. here. Kershaw six and three, whip just under one. Again, great control, sixty-five to ten. Granky, he's pitched well enough in spots to win. He's four and one when they score from. He gives up a few more runs when they only get him a run. He's able to make it work. Four and one, three seven seven. 48-11, and 11 strikeout to walk ratio.
4: I'll tell you one thing that's been impressive mm-hmm. for Greinke this year. He's had four games where he's gone seven innings or more because that has been usually a problem with him. Mm-hmm. He's a six-inning guy for a frontline number one, what he used to be. He just doesn't have that dominating uh, ability to go long in games. I'm going to stay away from this game completely, Mike. I looked at this one. I give an edge slightly to the Dodgers because of Kershaw, but the Astros at home, Greinke has pitched well enough that you'd be confident taking them. Uh, the other thing I, I would potentially consider in this one is is maybe an under eight and a half. I could see a real pitcher's duel shaping up here, especially with the first five being four and a half.
6: Any concerns about the Dodgers? They just were on this road trip, and now they get a day off and now go to Houston, continue on, and Houston played in Texas almost like home
7: here.
4: Yeah, home. absolutely right. Uh, not really. I still think the Dodgers are a team they're going to find themselves. Remember, injuries have really bugged them, have been an issue for them early on. I think they'll get on track continuously. I mean, after this giant series. In especially. the
6: first segment, you talked about a number of heavy favorites in the NBA with Tim Murray, a lot of heavy money lines, some money line players Plays on teams that need to win. Up next, we'll go them all in in the Palm Readers Playbook and see if we have any NBA parlays in store. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all our shows, including Follow the Money, A Numbers Game, My Guys in the Desert, and Lombardi Line with VEASAN Best Bets. Download Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers with JVT, Long Shots, Gone Racing, and the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. They are all free and available now at vcin.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. A little bit of a tough night on the ice um, for us last night. The Knights uh, torpedoed one parlay for you and then uh, Tampa got out to a lead and couldn't beat the rookie. And then for me, I, of course, I had this Winnipeg for, for one unit, but I lose my Edmonton series bet, obviously. And then I lose my Edmonton Stanley Cup futures bet. So that's where... That's where the, the negative night comes in in the units. I do have one quick question
4: mm-hmm. for you. Why Edmonton? What was it? He, I, look, oh, yeah. I get the scoring, the ability of... Drysaddle's just unbelievable. He might be my favorite player to watch in the NHL. Okay, here's
6: here's why I bet them. Here's why I, well, I bet them for the series pretty heavy. But here's why I bet them for the cup at 33-1. to I believe that they had such an advantage over Winnipeg, they'd beaten them six straight. Gotcha. And Winnipeg limped in, right?
4: Yeah, they right? did, they did they, yes.
6: They limped home, okay? So I thought that they were going to be able to win their first round series, and then I thought... I thought Toronto might have be been a little bit vulnerable that they were being overbet in the public mind, and that's why I was getting value at 33 to 1. And once they made the final four, then I was going to get off it, especially if they can't have fans in Canada. And when they go on the road, they're going to play against, you know, 12,000, 15,000
4: people. Yeah, I think that you bring up a good point there. The one thing for me, I look at the goaltending ability of a team. I don't care what mm-hmm. the rest of the guys, the five guys in front of him, do. To me, Hellebuck has a guy that can stand on his head. You know, he can make the same argument for Carey Price. We're seeing UC Soros do a tremendous job for uh, the Nashville Predators. A lot of it comes down to individual goaltending, and I thought that was the one detriment of Florida. Now they've gone with the young kid, and things have started to change for this, Joel Quinville. This could, this be, a could completely be like different Jaguar. Yeah, absolutely. Jay's <laughs> right? Jaguar, absolutely right. So we'll see what happens here now moving forward. I still think Tampa will hold serve at home here and finish well, they better. series. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, they better because John Cooper does not want to go to uh, down to sunrise and have to beat the Panthers in game seven.
6: Okay, let's start out with the Palm Reader playbook today as I try to get uh, grind back more towards C-level here. I, you're not going to get Flaherty too often at a plus price, right? And I'm going to take Flaherty first five here uh, in this game at the White Sox. Lance Lynn did win last night, pitched very well uh, for the White Sox, and and beat Kim. Flaherty here is going against Giolito. I think, to me, Giolito's been disappointing. I mean, he's 3-4 and four with a 4 three, five, 21 walks and 49 innings. He hasn't been the ace they thought he was going to be. Obviously, Rondon has been the ace for them, or maybe Lance Lynn will emerge. I Talk about guys you don't know what their records are. He's say, no, Flaherty.
4: Yeah, this is, a, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what, this is a critical matchup here uh, for this St. Louis team because right now they're struggling a little bit. Cubs did well against them. They lose the mm-hmm. first game. But for people that don't know, both of these guys were on the same high school team at Harvard Westlake, a private school in Los Angeles. Only cost you about a million dollars a year to go to, but that's another story. I, I think we're going to see a tremendous performance out of Giolito. This is your former teammate. You're going to have an opportunity to show out against a guy that's about a year, year and a half younger than you. I think is going to pitch well tonight. Would you be interested in seven and a half then as a total? No, You know, I have this thing on certain ballparks I don't like to play unders, and guaranteed rate is one of them. Well, I don't like it because the pitchers aren't batting, right? Yeah, this is another thing. Yeah. I, I love your – I tell you, I want to go back to the point you make, and let me get you to, back to your plays here. You always talk about the first five, getting the pitchers and four at-bats. It's such a critical and important point. It's such a huge advantage. Four of the 30 outs that you need. Absolutely right. Yeah.
6: Um I took him here in the first five, then plus one twenty five. I talked about this in the, in our last segment about Burns. I I I think he's been better than Musgrove. They come off the win last night. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Burns and lay the twenty-five cents here. Uh if you know, Jack Campbell's been playing pretty well in that, and this has been a lower scoring series than people thought. The goals all came as you said yesterday in that second period in Game 2 where they had five straight power plays, the the Maple Leafs, right? Absolutely. stay out of the box, this has been a a well-goaltended series on both sides between Price and Campbell.
4: Well, look, if they can do that, I think they've got a great chance. Uh, For me, though, in this one, I I like your under uh, 1.5 play here. You know, you had talked about the Islanders' play last night. I was mad at myself for not taking that one. I thought this was going to be the game we saw, that 2-2 overtime. And Jari makes a terrible play Mm. in overtime, cost them the game. But I think this Habs game is going to be something similar as well.
6: Islanders stayed in that game in the first period. I thought Pittsburgh was dominating for about the first 12, 14 minutes of that game, and they were able to stay in there and then steal that one to take the series lead. Now they go back to Long Island to try to close it out, and we tease this. All the big money line. I'm going to do a four team money line parlay over the next two nights of all. I'm going to take the Nets minus $5, the Clippers minus $3, the Sixers minus 360 and the Jazz also in another spot to bounce back, uh, and even that series 1-1 one, one against Memphis at 380 One unit, four team money line parlay in the NBA playoffs.
4: Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, you know, the Nets, I expect to win. Clippers, I love tonight. And then Sixers and Jazz, I-, I like what you did here going over two days, but I think these are good plays. What is the? Uh, what does it come out to? Do you remember I, off the top of your head? It's, it's just a little over uh, even money. I, look, sometimes people don't realize this. If you're making some big bets like you do, I think these are great plays. There's some mm-hmm. great opportunity to be able to pick up some profit. At the end of the day, that's the objective. Right. I like the
6: Sixers a lot, too. I just think they're a much better team than... And the Wizards. Out of these, I like the Clippers and the Sixers in terms of the of what I'm laying in juice.
4: I also expect them to play better in the first half. I, you know, we saw it in Milwaukee. I think Philadelphia is going to play much better in this first half tomorrow against Washington than they did. Remember, they were trailing at halftime just by I think a point, but still, you don't want to give this team an opportunity to hang around the game. And I thought Philadelphia was pretty poor in closing out that game. I know, though, good news on that game, though, Mike. Everybody's going to be excited because we're going to have Grant Hill and Marv Albert doing the game once again from some library in Bucks County. <laughs> it was a little bit monotone and a little bit uh, without You're, flavor. You are, you are a kind man, Let's aren't go you? to them all in. Uh, I've got two plays today. Rays on the parlay with the Nationals here. I love the way the Rays are playing. This team is on absolute fire to me, Mike. It's going to be tough to stop them at this point in time in this matchup today. So I'm going to go with the Rays against Big Bad Brad Keller. We got Rich Hill on the mound. He's only about 95 years old, but I still think he'll be able to get through about three and a third innings, and then turn it over to the bullpen for the Rays minus two dollars. And of course, my man Maxie on the mound for the Nats here minus 190. I like Max Scherzer and the Nationals in this one. Uh, the take back on that two teamer is plus 129. And then I've got a huge play tonight, Mike, on the Clippers minus three dollars. Now you know how I do this, and you and I do the same thing because we have similar philosophies. Uh, To me, if the Clippers get up by a large margin, there's going to be an opportunity where you can take the other side at a plus price negate any risk you have involved. But I'm going to stick with the Clippers here tonight, big time. I I think they're going to win this game. I think it's going to be a dominating performance. Now, in the playbook, I don't have a minus 7 play, but I'll take a small play on the minus 7 because I think they're going to cover that one as well. Will you come back with the heat in Game 3 going home down (laughs) 2-0? No, not particularly. I don't care that much for that series. Look, you know, everyone talks about zigzag, this and that. Give me a break, okay? Listen, you got to look at certain matchups. The Knicks and the Hawks are not the same thing as the Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers. That's the point I was trying to make with the Seahawks and the Jets earlier, and the and the Rams and the Jets. There's certain matchups. They're not just the same because you see teams who are bad or in a similar situation. I think they're completely different, so I'm not going to come back with the Heat. I thought you could have got the Bucks when they were boat racing him in the in, in late ten to one there in a pretty comfortable spot in game last night. By the way, you use one. I have a friend of mine. It's a big OU Sooner guy. It's uh, he. Every time. By the way, in his mind, Oklahoma is never losing a football game. Hey, uh, Oklahoma is going to boat race so and so.
6: Coming up next on the nuts, we're going to have Frank Isola. Of course, you know him from ESPN, uh, around the horn, and and on SiriusXM XM as a basketball analyst. We're going to talk to Frank about his what he thinks about the Knicks' chances to rebound and take this series against the Hawks.
4: wait days for your winnings cash out instantly with bet river's new feature rush Bay. get your cash when you want it at bet river sportsbook the industry leader with exclusive bets daily specials odds boost and the most in play betting options out there as always get 250 dollars match bonus fastest payouts and only one-time playthrough at bet river's your hometown sportsbook offer valid in colorado illinois indiana virginia michigan and pennsylvania available at sugarhouse.com in new jersey must be 21 Gambling problem. Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, call 1 800 Gambler. Indiana 109 with it. Colorado 1 800 522 4700. Michigan 1 800 270 7117. Virginia 1 888 532 3500. Not
6: valid in Iowa. Welcome back into the nuts. I'm Mike Palm. He's the mall show. And as promised, we have Frank Isola, VSPN, and SiriusXM NBA Radio join the show now. Thanks for taking the time today, Frank.
7: Sure. How are you guys doing?
6: Frank, I want to start out with the, the Knicks Hawks series. Uh, obviously, that was an electric scene at Madison Square Garden, getting a team back in the playoffs. Trey Young was great down the stretch, drawing the falls, and, of course, hitting the game winner. Here at v the guys that really bet the NBA heavily, who we turned to as our experts, were really split on this series. About half of them loved the Knicks, half of them loved the Hawks. If you were a betting man, is this a good time to take the Knicks now to win this series? You can get 2-1 to one for your money.
7: It might be. I mean, you do have the experience. You know, Tom Thibodeau as the head coach, And you have to figure that Julius Randle is going to play better than he did in game one. He was six for 23. I don't think home court advantage matters that much. I mean, now, if the Knicks were to get a game seven in their building, it certainly does. I think the Knicks will, at some point in the series, take a game in Atlanta. I don't think Atlanta will beat them twice. The Knicks did win the season two. I I think the big thing going into it was the fouls. You know, Knowing that Trey Young is very good at drawing fouls, a lot of times in the NBA, Uh, Come playoff time, they won't give those calls, but he got a couple of favorable calls in the fourth quarter in game one.
4: Frank, tonight a critical game in Phoenix for the Lakers, taking on the Phoenix Suns. Injury concerns on both sides. Lakers a little bit with LeBron James. Of course, uh, Anthony Davis' shoulder issue also listed. And then Chris Paul. First of all, tell me a little bit about your concern for Chris Paul's injury status, and then can this Phoenix team overcome the Lakers' talent and their size and win this series?
7: You know, when Chris Paul is out on the court, even if he's not going to be 100%, his leadership is going to be important. He could still run an offense. Now, he did seem to be struggling a bit because he kept losing his dribble for some reason. He did make a couple of tough shots, but their best player is Devin Booker. You could say the most important player is Chris Paul. To me, it's definitely a concern. We've seen this before. Remember when you used to made it to the Conference Finals a few years ago and Chris Paul had a hamstring injury, was unable to play in game six and seven. And then Golden State ended up beating the Houston Rockets. You know, for, for the Lakers, I, I can't ever overreact to anything that's going on with a team that has LeBron James on it. You know, last year they lost you know, a couple of game ones when they were down in the bubble and they still went on to win the title. I think we do tend to overreact to one win. Now, Monty Williams you know, has been on a lot of teams, coached a lot of places. I think that's going to be something that he really drives into his team. Like, you haven't accomplished anything by winning game one. And all it would take... Is LeBron playing at a LeBron level? Anthony Davis playing better? Next thing you know, this series is tied 1-1 heading back to Staples Center. I'll be interested to see what they do with uh, Andre Drummond because he, to me, kind of hurts them a little bit, which it's not all on Andre Drummond, but when he does play with Anthony Davis, Davis isn't as effective. They're better off playing Anthony Davis at center.
6: We're talking with Frank Isola from ESPN. You see him. Uh, on around the horn, he held his held his own with Monica McNutt yesterday. Amal, I was very impressed. Frank, I want to stay. Out. <laughs> I want to stay out in the west. Um, is tonight we hear this term "must win" thrown about too much in sports? But for the Clippers, having dropped Game One at home at Staples, is tonight a must win for the Clippers against the Mavs?
7: I mean, I I, I could see them going on the road and still winning in Dallas. So, I I mean, I'm sure they're looking at it like that, which is the right way for them to look at it. But Dallas, uh, you know, Dallas is a team that has been inconsistent at times, and the Clippers are a very good team. I'm a little surprised with how the way they played in game one. And you know, maybe it's a bit of karma because they did kind of arrange it so they, didn't have, they would avoid the Lakers in the second round. This is like a you know, more unique way of going about it, or a less unique way, just lose and you'll avoid playing them. I'm not going to say must win, but I think they're going to play a lot better. Remember, the best player in that team, Kawhi Leonard, has been a part of two championship teams and he's been to the NBA Finals three times, so he kind of understands the importance of this game.
4: Frank, uh, ESPN's Brian Windhorst and Tim McMahon reported some concerns with Donovan Mitchell and the medical staff with the Utah Jazz. How concerned are you between some of the turmoil there? Utah's going to have Mitchell back for game number two. They need to get this game. But how about the credit that the Memphis Grizzlies deserve? They go on the road. They knock off Golden State, having won the previous game for themselves uh, to get to where they are now, winning three in a row in this postseason. Are they a legitimate threat here against Utah, or is Game 1 a bit of an aberration with no Mitchell in the
7: lineup? No, I, I think they're a legitimate threat. Because remember, too, if Donovan Mitchell, you know, if and when he does come back, it looks like he's going to play Game 2. He's been out since April 16th. That's when he got hurt. So he's missed more than a month. And to think that he's just going to walk on the court and be as effective, I'm, I'm not so sure about that. You know, we all know about John Morant, but Dylan Brooks is a player that I've always liked. The guy goes out there and competes. He defends, he brings you toughness, he scored. And Memphis, you know, let's face it, they played an elimination game last week at home against San Antonio. They won that, they had to go to Golden State to face Steph Curry, that was elimination game. Then you have to turn around and play game one against Utah and that's, you know, all the excuses in the world are there for Memphis to lose that game. And they did the opposite. They went out and really took it to the Utah Jazz. I don't understand the whole thing with Donovan Mitchell. I get it, you know, all these guys now, they have their own performance teams, and maybe that's in conflict with what the, um, the the team's medical staff is saying. But if Donovan Mitchell really wants to play, he's being held out of that game. The medical staff, if he's saying no, no, I feel good, I, I want to go out there and play. They're holding him back. That that's why to me the thing is a little confusing.
4: By the way, I'll always be a, a fan of uh, just you mentioned the defender for uh, the Memphis Grizzlies. Thank you, dylan Brooks. Drew dylan a blank Brooks. on his name. He just done done a tremendous job all year long, and I think maybe he can carry that over. It'll be interesting to see. I think people are starting to recognize his talent, as Frank alluded to, Mike.
6: Frank, let's talk about the other New York team, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, even though they're the two seed and the 76ers have the home court advantage in the East, they are still the betting favorite. They've been they've been even money or better the the back half of the season here. If they do face off with the 76ers in the East finals, do you have any concerns? about them being able to stop Joel Embiid and having to win a seven-game series without home court advantage?
7: Well, they've, they have struggled against Embiid the times that they played him. The one time that they played him pretty well, this was pre-Harden trade, and Kevin Durant and Kerry Irving didn't play, and Jared Allen was the one that was guarding in Joel Embiid. Of course, that's not going to factor in because he's since been traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. But, you know, the Nets, uh, you know, they can just score, and, they're such a lethal team. And when they play small with Blake Griffin, he's actually done a pretty good job for them defensively. You know, the thing you have to remember, so if you look at what happened to them in game one, I don't even think they played very well. They had a very good third quarter. They struggled in the first half, but the big three combined for eighty two points. They held the Celtics to forty points. And remember how for how many, you know, weeks and months we were talking about, you know, can the Nets defend? well enough, and then they held Jason Tatum to zero field goals in the final 30 minutes of the game. And and the Nets weren't even at their best, and they still won by 11. So I actually thought that result was a bit discouraging for the rest of the Eastern Conference, because you know the Nets are only going to get better as this goes on, because it was only the ninth time that Kevin Durant, James Harden, Carrier, and Irving played together. So they're still, not that they have to figure each other out, but it's you know, not even a dozen games yet. So I believe it's only going to get better for them, assuming they stay healthy they should be the betting favorite to get to the finals.
6: Frank, were you surprised the Celtics extended Brad Stevens?
7: No, I think Brad Stevens is a terrific coach. And look, look at it this way: you know, they had for them a down year. They're still in the playoffs, and they don't have Jalen Brown. But they had made, they have made it to what three conference finals with Brad Stevens as the coach. I think if you look at their roster. You know, Kemba Walker this year cannot play back to back. So that's a major factor. And during the regular season, they went 14 and 15 without Kemba Walker. Then you have their bench to me is is not NBA quality. It's okay. It would need to be a lot better for them to be a legitimate contending team. They have a star that you can build around in Tatum. You certainly have Jalen Brown. I think it's more about the roster and the personnel, which is really more uh, Danny Ainge's job. I, I, you know, do you, you want to say that the players maybe you're tuning out Brad Stevens a little bit? Maybe. That sounds also like you're giving the players an out. I think that they have the right coach. I just think the roster needs to get a little bit better.
4: Yeah, I tend to agree with you. I think they've got too many guys that are a little bit undersized. They don't have that. But you got guys like Grant Williams, to me, who are great in the intramural league based on his size. We'll see if they can get better. Frank, I want to stay a little bit in the Eastern Conference. We saw a dominant performance in Milwaukee last night. Is this team good enough to play. Obviously, that was an aberration the way they shot the ball in the first half, but really playing an elite level to get through B- Brooklyn, to get through Philadelphia. We've seen two playoff failures the last couple of years. Is there anything from that in, that you see that could change this year?
7: Yeah, and that's why that side of the bracket, you look where Milwaukee is, You know, they're going to have to get through Miami and then likely Brooklyn just to get to a conference final. So that's that's probably the toughest road in the NBA right now to get to an NBA final say, I guess same thing with be Miami because they would have to get through Milwaukee, and that series isn't done. You know, the one thing about the Bucks, you know, Eric Bledsoe is a very good player. He's a good athlete. Drew Holiday's an upgrade, though. Yeah. And you know, when they put the ball in Drew Holiday's hands and let him initiate the offense, and there were times when they put the ball in Chris Middleton's hands. Remember, the, the shot in Game One was Chris Middleton, and I think Giannis and Tedekumpo. Has kind of reached a point where he understands, yes, I'm the best player in the team, but it doesn't mean that I have to do everything. And, you know, if you look at Michael Jordan's career, some of Michael Jordan's biggest moments were when he passed the ball. He passed the ball to Steve Kerr, and they won an NBA championship of that game six shot that he had against um, the Utah Jazz. And then years earlier, you know, Michael Jordan gave the ball up and it ended up in John Paxson's hands. Even the night that Michael scored 55 at Madison Square Garden, he won the game on a pass to Bill Winnington for a dunk. So it's not just about. You know, you having to be the guy to try to run through a wall to get to the basket. And I think the Bucks are doing a better job figuring that out. You know, you look, the game one hero was Middleton. And then last night, everyone played well. But Holiday, I think it was 14 or 15 assists he had. And I thought that was, that's important as well.
4: Mike, he was referencing the greatest player of all time. Absolutely. <laughs>
6: Frank Isola, folks, you can catch him on ESPN, Around the Horn, also Sirius XM, NBA Radio, the starting line of Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 Eastern. Thanks for the time, Frank. Thanks, guys. Have a great one. All right, I'm all. The stage is set. We need the, uh,
4: the Clippers to win tonight. Yeah, you got that right. <laughs> hey, by the way, is Kawhi going to play? It is the Clippers. We should probably have checked. Don't even get me worried.
6: <laughs> Stay tuned to Visa and Coming up next, Betting Across America.